Welcome to Paradox Jukebox, an unconventional podcast for the unconventional music lover, brought to you by Music on the Move Studios, a woman-led company working to help musicians move their careers forward through education and live events. Welcome to episode 17, and today I have the owner, founder, CEO of Nashville Tour Stop, Aaron Schilb, on the show today. And so for all of my musicians who are tuning in today, this episode is for you. This is a music business episode. So grab your pen and paper, favorite note-taking app, your computer, whatever, type up a Google Doc, who cares? Do something, guys, because I'm giving you some amazing content here. Aaron Schilb is about to lay out for you some do's and don'ts of Nashville. And so if you don't know what Nashville Tour Stop is, let me just tell you a little bit about it. So it is a two-hour bi-monthly songwriter round in South Nashville, but it's also grown into a concert promotion company, and they work with concert venues of all shapes and sizes in and around Nashville. So furthermore, um, it is also a unique live experience that serves as a step away from the hustle and the bustle of the music industry that everybody knows as Broadway, right? This is not your typical Broadway show. These are singer-songwriters coming to you with their material, and it is an all-around beautiful experience to, to behold. We're talking about a night of music that you're not going to get anywhere else in Nashville. So, without any further ado, I want to jump right into this episode with Aaron. He's a super fun guy. We had a great conversation. And so, I really hope that you guys sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation. And if you're if you're also just one of those people that likes to know more about Nashville and what's there, this is the episode for you. So, I hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to Paradox Jukebox, everyone. It's your host, Katie Thompson. And today I have Aaron Schilb of Nashville Tour Stop. Aaron, what's going on, man? Good morning, Katie. Thank you for having me on the show today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. And I actually, I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while because I know that you and Aaron are, are pretty good friends and you go way back. And she's she's talked a lot about Nashville Tour Stop. So I'm super excited to have you on the show to talk about your business today. It's an honor. Yeah. Aaron McClendon and I, I guess that's her stage name she goes by. But Erin uh, and I met ages ago. I think it was 2017. She was one of the first people in Nashville to ever uh, give me a chance to perform on stage. That's awesome. Fantastic. Do you remember where it was? It was at a place south of town called the 404 Bar and Grill. Cool. So she was just booking writers around back then. Uh, I think it was just for fun. I don't think she was ever doing it for any greater purpose, but she was uh, in charge of those rounds. And I was just some, I think I was 23 or 24. I was just some young kid just trying my best to get involved. And she was like, oh my gosh, we have the same name. You have to play. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Aaron. I love it. Okay, so so let's discuss Nashville Tour Stop. What exactly is Nashville Tour Stop? So Nashville Tour Stop is a company I started in 2018, and uh, on the video here you can see uh, the inverse of our logo that's a neon sign that we have for the show, but Nashville Tour Stop is a uh, live music, or excuse me, a live music production company, so right now what we do is we book live entertainment for hotels, bars, music venues, really anyone who needs live entertainment, and they can outsource their booking to 
like down to the day or if they need somebody to manage their entire calendar, we can handle all of that. We've got thousands of people on our roster who have played our shows in the past. So a big part of what we do is making sure that the correct performers are going to the correct venues. Like not, not all performers need to be playing at every venue. And that's one of the misnomers of Nashville is people thinking they need to play everywhere. And it's more about focusing them into where they need to be playing in front of the right audiences rather than just throwing spaghetti at the fridge and seeing what sticks. Nice. I love that approach. Fantastic. So talk to me about how you got Nashville Tour Stop started. Like what exactly was the need that you saw that needed to be filled? Unfortunately, it got started by accident. So it was because I was at the 404 Bar and Grill with Aaron. Uh, I was in a uh, band at the time, and we were just performing there all of the time. And I think it was like three or four days a week we were performing there. And the bar owner originally asked us if we would like to host a show of our own one day. And that was just quite literally how it started. But a, a better answer of that is that I would go to these other writers' rounds. I'd go to the showcases. I'd go to the shows in town and try to get involved. I'd go up and, hi, I'm Aaron. I'm just looking to get involved. I don't need to play right away. I just want to know how I can contribute. And they'd kind of pat me on the shoulder and say, okay, cool, bye. Oh. And I hated that. I was like, I'm trying to get involved, and you don't want me to be involved. And I decided that if I wanted to be involved in something that was accepting and open and willing to work with others, I had to create that thing. So a big mission of Nashville Tour Stop is not to like paywall people out. We want to make it as inclusive and as involved as possible. So even though some people might be on their first day in Nashville, like having no connections, their songs aren't any good yet, there's still a place for them and a community for them to get involved with because we all grow by being involved with people who are better than us and seeing how that growth can happen and working with other people who are better than us makes us just personally want to improve and then having people who are willing to work with us and be patient kind of helps that a lot so a big part of what we do is making sure that we're integrating new people as well as continuing to integrate the already established acts that is fascinating um so first and foremost thank you so much for creating a community for you know new transplants to nashville because it is very daunting, like speaking from experience, I moved down to Nashville in 2018. I really didn't know where the hell to go. I had a couple of friends that I had, <laughs> you know, made networking connections with and stuff. But it was it was super daunting because, again, I didn't have a community and trying to just find a place to land. It's like you said, it's like spaghetti. You're just throwing, you know, it at the wall. Seeing what works. Seeing what works, right? Um, so for those that are, that are new to the Nashville community, like, can you talk about maybe some of the opportunities that NTS provides for people just like that, that are like kind of getting their feet wet? Maybe they have a few songs, but maybe they're not really ready for like getting immersed in the co-writing world or something like that. So one of the first things I always tell people is to offer something before they ask for something. And if you have nothing to offer, it's to like to the to the point of not offering like I have the best songs or I have all these connections if all you have to offer is your friendship just go be someone's bud and it's it's really easy to sit down at a bar and have a drink and just chat with somebody 
And I mean, I was super awkward when I first moved here. I mean, I was already very extroverted, but I was an awkward extrovert. So it made it really difficult to make friends. But you just, it's just practice. You get very comfortable talking to people. And I mean, at this point, I kind of have the same, the same forms of like how I talk to people and what kind of questions. Because if you're talking to someone who moved here a week ago, they don't know what to say to me. And I'm, I'm not some big, successful, famous person, but I do have a platform that people want access to, and they, they feel uncomfortable sometimes asking for access to it. So I always like to ask, like, where did you grow up? Just the, the small talk questions, but it disarms them to make them feel like they're not in a business transaction, that they're forming an actual relationship. So one of the things that I do if I meet somebody new, I try to just disarm them first and then introduce them to somebody who maybe came the week before or who's also new and just help them establish a personal relationship with somebody because as soon as you have one friend in town making every other friend is easier so you just have to get comfortable in your own shoes and going to the bar and asking how to get involved is the hardest part and then as soon as you have somebody who you can say hey this is my buddy I just met him and we're having a good time and I'm like awesome I'm having a good time too. Let's get around. Let's let's go talk. Let's. It's it's really easy to get involved with Nashville Tour Stop. I really try to make it not. Uh, I don't want it to be too unapproachable. I want everybody to feel like they have access to it. And there there are certainly things that we we like to do with with specific genre shows. Sometimes sometimes we do themed shows, like we did a big pool party last year over in East Nashville at the Dive Motel. Uh, so there are specific events that are curated and created for specific performers, but we also have just our regular writers rounds who are for everybody. And that's why it's become so much fun is just people don't feel like they're unable to come like, I'm not going to go to the Ryman auditorium and ask to play, right. but there are places like tour stop where you can just fresh off the boat. I just got off the bus from nowhere, Oklahoma and feel like you have a, a place in a community to just immediately immerse yourself into. That is awesome. So, uh, you know, links are definitely going to be in the show notes for everybody that's listening. So please make sure that you, that you check out links there, but you're, you're hearing it here from literally the, the horse's mouth, as it were, <laughs> Aaron, Aaron is the guy. And so if he's telling you that there's a community ready and waiting for you, then you need to jump on it. And, and you know, hard, like the hardest part about just actually getting yourself out there is taking that first step and just going, mm -hmm. okay, this is uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm capable of this. I can do this. We all have these preconceived notions of what it's like to be successful in Nashville. And when I first moved here, I was like, I have to play at the Bluebird Cafe and I have to play at the listening room. And there, there were these places that I had to play at. And then once I started going to them, I realized like, oh, they're, they're just, it's just like anywhere else. Right. They're the same people playing the same rounds, just different days of the week. And kind of recognizing that the community of songwriters is just a bubble that kind of walks around town together. It really made the other venues that I wanted to be at more accepting. And like, I didn't feel scared going to some of these places for the first time because I knew that like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to have a friend there that's just hanging out or just playing randomly. And it, it really makes going around town much easier once you recognize that it's way smaller than you think it is. 
Nashville really has a small town vibe to it. Big Absolutely. small town vibe. <laughs> Big small town vibe. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you're so right. Like, you know, like going, going downtown is, you know, obviously the tourist trap. But like if you get over to East Nash where you're going to places like the Five Spot or even Cobra and, you know, uh, even like, um, what is it? The East Room's another East one room. over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there there's similar places here in Ohio, right? Like we have really similar places in Columbus, Ohio, and and you're right, it's it's all kind of the same vibe, and it's it's not as daunting as as a lot of people want to believe it is when they first get there, or even right. if they're if they're thinking about moving there, it's it's easier said than done for sure. But um, let's let's get into like so for a musician that is coming into Nashville. What are some do's and don'ts that you have seen just by <laughs> people that you book on NTS? Um, given uh, you, you, if you do or do not use the bleep button, my my normal is uh, don't be a dick. Yeah. It's, if you are easy to be around, you will get booked on more shows based on being fun to be around than uh, having good music. And I've definitely booked talented songwriters i've also definitely booked gigantic you know yeah. rude people and it's it's hard to see that when you first meet somebody sometimes because everyone it's it's not as two-facey as i feel like los angeles or new york might be sure. nashville really is a lot more friendly that southern hospitality that southern charm is real but there are definitely people who want something, and especially me as a promoter, I have something people want. I've kind of learned how to suss out the people who are just doing it to get something versus who actually want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I've I've heard time and time again, just you know, don't be an asshole, and you'll get. It's work, true, right? It, it's. I very mean, true. booking booking people who are difficult to work with makes my life more difficult. It makes the bar staff's jobs more difficult. It makes the sound engineer's job more difficult. And I, I tell people all the time, uh, like if you look around the shows of Nashville tour stuff, you'll see a startling lack of rude people. Yeah. Because I have deliberately phased them out, so to speak, because it's it's not any one personality trait or uh, a way you look or the way your songs are, if, if you're not kind to the people around you, nobody wants you to be there. Yeah. But if you're, if you're fun to just sit and talk to, you love telling jokes, you love making people laugh, you love supporting your friends, people want you around way more often. And that's what Tour Stop's really done is just create a community of friends. And people don't look at it as like, oh, I've got 100 fans now. They're like, oh, dang, I've got a lot of friends who are just coming to my shows. But when it really comes down to it, no, you have made fans. They want to buy your merchandise. They want to stream your music. And that's kind of the the shift of the culture of what I've done is I've tried to not make it about business. I've tried to make it about friendship, nice. which is the corniest thing I've ever said, <laughs> but it's too true. <laughs> well, but okay, so because you're you're focusing more of this community on you know being about friendship and not being so businessy like that's what the draw is though that's why you have a draw is because nobody who is a part of nts feels like they've been you know just totally pitched by some sleazy salesperson mm -mm. you're like hey 
this is a community. Let's uplift everybody and work together. One of the things I've said many times, and it does sound like, uh, it does sound fake and it does kind of sound like I'm just saying it, but I always tell people, uh, if I can ever do something for you, whether it's booking shows or helping you move a couch, like I'm, I'm available. I'm not strong, but I'm available for it. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, it's, it's a 1230 right now in the afternoon and I'm sitting at home. Like I'm available to help out. Like that's, that's just what we're here for. And we have a huge community of people who just want to help. That's awesome. Well, I don't think that it sounds, you know, I don't doubt think it sounds like you're selling something I think that's just the mark of a genuinely good heart and somebody who actually cares about the people that they're working with right so. and that's that's what I try to really convey hard to the performers in our community and of course as a business yes I do have a product to sell and the only time I turn on that salesman is when I have to talk to the venues they want to talk about bar sales they want to talk about marketing strategy that's when I can talk business because their businesses. But if I'm talking to my creative friends, they don't want to hear about, oh, what what was the latest update in your marketing campaign to get a new beer sponsor involved? Nobody cares. Right. They don't they don't care. They want to know that their friends are going to be there and they're going to have a good time. That's the most important thing to the community. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we've discussed not being an asshole. What are some, what are some other, like maybe more on the, on the professional side of things? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Give me some there, advice there. definitely there. are more criteria that we look for, especially, uh, when integrating new people. And, um, I, I always try to make, make it clear with performers. It's like, there's no such thing as like a, a good or a bad song. It's just making sure that if you're playing in a writer's round that we are putting you with the correct people to play with. So, uh, on a professional side, if you're trying to submit to play a show and you come up with a business card and say, hey, email me, I don't like that because I can't pull it out right here. I've got a stack of about a thousand business cards that just people have given me over the years. And I, I have a huge stack in my office that's just called the Nashville Handshake. And <laughs> it's just a huge stack of business cards. People say, hey, hit me up. I'm like, I'm not going to remember to hit you up. You have to remember as the performer, you want this thing. Right. If somebody who's a, a toothpaste salesman doesn't reach out and say, hey, you should buy toothpaste. You go to, you go to Walmart because you know you need toothpaste. So people who want to play shows, they need to remember that like you are trying to, you're essentially applying for a job and your website is your resume. And if you have a non-functional website that I can't scroll through and read your bio or listen to your music and it looks bad versus somebody who's got a really well done website, it's really user friendly. Oh, what if I'm on my phone and I just need to scroll through and do a quick listen? I don't have my desktop. If it's Optimize for mobile, you have a leg up on somebody. And one of the things that I've actually uh, given like classes on is how to write a good booking email. And the best advice I ever offer somebody for writing a good booking email or if you're filling out a contact form is keep it short and sweet. And you think it's going to be longer than it is, but you need it to be one cell phone length screen long. If I have to start scrolling through and like thumbing through the email to find the information, I'm I got ADD. I'm gonna forget. 
I'm going to get a text message. I'm going to get a phone call. I'm going to forget. So if you can have a really concise, tight email that says, hi, my name is Aaron Shilb. I'm a comedy songwriter from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm looking to play a date on Friday, May 12th. And uh, I also have another availability on Saturday the, th uh, the 13th and Sunday the 14th. If you have any openings between 7 p.m. and midnight on those windows, I am available. Uh, if not, I will reach out again when I have another one. In the meantime, I'll come check you out. Here's a link to my Spotify, my Apple Music, and a SoundCloud. And then hyperlink your website. And the reason that you put all of that in that one sentence is because if you start sending me MP3s, or if you send me a link to your Dropbox, it's a just more clicks that I have to do to get to what I need. If you put a paywall-free SoundCloud link to a, a private playlist, it can be a private playlist that has a live performance and a studio production, one click, it starts playing on my phone. One click, it starts playing on my computer. You've made my job easier. Yep. I like you more just because you've made my job easier. Before I've even listened to your music, before I've read anything, you made my job easy because I know you need a gig on Friday the 12th and I can listen to your music immediately. And then I can go to my calendar and plug it right in. Yep. If I have to start going through and, hey, let me know if you have any availability. I don't want to do the back and forth and back and forth. Oh, you're not available on the 12th. How about the 13th? Oh, not the 13th. How about the 14th? If you send me your availability I will like it so much more. And that's why I tell people to be present in the venues you want to perform at is if somebody comes to one of our shows live and I can't listen to their music, I can ask them all of those questions. When are you booking right now? And then I can open my calendar and like I can leave a tinted fold and say, hey, if I uh, think that your music would be a good fit here, I'll shoot you a message and I'll just confirm you on the calendar. But the more difficult my job as a promoter and, or to, to, for the people out there who might not know the difference, a booking agent, a talent buyer, and a concert promoter, we all do the same thing from a different part of the industry. So promoters like me work for ourselves and then we work through the venues. Booking agents work at the venues, or excuse me, booking agents work for the artists and talent buyers work for the venues. So we're all doing the same thing booking music. But if you've made my job easier or whoever's job easier, they're more apt to book you just because they don't have to spend an hour on a phone call or going back and forth in emails. If you can get a show confirmed in three emails, awesome. Right. Everyone loves that. <laughs> yeah. The creative agency at UMC is ready to serve. Underground Music Collective's team of verified creators is here to help you achieve your artistic vision, offering creative services, including photography, videography, graphic and web design, social media strategy, and much more. You can even book virtual music lessons through UMC, courtesy of your friends at Music on the Move Studios. Plus, working with the creative agency at UMC gives you immediate access to the entire UMC ecosystem, which includes a global network of musicians, creatives, and industry professionals just like you. Learn more and get to know the team at undergroundmusiccollective.com. For sure. Well, and I think it's so interesting because you know, the the world of sync works, works the same way. You need to do all of that work on the front end for, you know, whoever's at the library that you're trying to pitch to. It's no different when you're trying to pitch to venues or pitch, mm -hmm. you know, for a booking agent. So I, I think that 
that is like some awesome hardcore material. I might actually like create a little like one sheet to go along with your episode for this so sure. people can download it because uh, that is some high quality information. So for everybody listening, I want you to stop. I want you to rewind and I want you to listen to everything Aaron just said <laughs> one more fucking time <laughs> because it's that important. It is that important because doing the work on the front end like that could mean you getting the gig next to the person that is also trying to get the same thing. But yep. if you're, if you're doing all of that work on the front end, then your promoter doesn't have to worry about it. You are a shoe in your, because also what it shows is that you are professional enough. Oh yeah. To have your shit together. I, read hundreds I anymore we have a team that does it I used to read hundreds of emails they're just like hey would love to play sometime here's a link and they don't even send me their name uh, I've gotten I've gotten so many emails that just <laughs> say hey would love to play sometime period I'm like you didn't send me a link to your music to your social media or who you are guitarboy97 at <laughs> gmail.com I don't know who you are I, don't, I have no idea. I'm not going to inquire. I don't care. Delete. Gone. And right. then as soon as I have an easy email that says, hi, my name is Aaron Schilb and I do blah, 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 blah. Cool. I know who you are. I know what you do. I know where you live and I know when you're available in yeah. one sentence. Yep. The easier, the easier it is for me to do my job, the easier it will be for you to get the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that has to be a caption. We're making that happen too. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Chockful is such great information for, for you know, musicians that are coming into Nashville. But it, this is for anybody that's not even in Nashville. It doesn't matter where you are. This is information that you should be using for any kind of, you know, like pitch that you're working on. So, yeah, these these lessons can be applicable to a lot of things outside of the music industry. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Life lessons, guys. Life lessons. Life lessons. <laughs> All right, so I want to know, like, for you as a promoter, what is what is one of the things that you absolutely love about Nashville, and what is one of the things that you hate about <laughs> Nashville? Oh, such a loaded question. I know. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I, I really do love, and we kind of touched on it before, is just how accepting people can be of different different areas of the industry. I mean, I moved here to be a songwriter and a performer on stage, and I really quickly fell into wanting to book shows. And if you tell someone that like, oh, I'm a concert promoter, I'm a booking agent, I'm a performer in Nashville, people accept that, no questions asked. And that's really been one of my favorite parts is just how immediately accepted the music industry is here. And that's just because of where we are. Uh, one of my least favorite things about town is just how... I, oversaturated it is there are so many people and I mean for for the lack of a better term there are hundreds of people just like me booking shows and it kind of creates a it I don't even know the exact term but the the expectation of what one concert promoter lets happen at their shows a lot of people think they can copy and paste and apply to the other shows that they're performing and one of the big things that I've had to make very clear on Nashville Tour Stop shows is that if you have to cancel, you do not fill your own seat. This is not your spot to fill. 
this belongs to us and we will curate somebody into that. And I've had people do no shows to gigs and then just some random person shows up and then all of the marketing materials are wrong. They're rude to me because they don't know what's going on and I haven't prepped them for what's going on. So the, the, just oversaturation has really made it kind of difficult because people think that just anything goes. And at Nashville Tour Stop, even though, yeah, we're friendly, we are all professional and anything does not go. If something's going wrong, I'm going to snap in and fix it. And if somebody's being difficult, I have had to throw people out of shows before. Mm. I have had to throw people off of our shows. And I don't, I don't love doing that. I don't sure. like having to look like a jerk on stage. I don't like having to turn off someone's microphone, but it happens because these people come in ego in check, but they start saying things over the microphone and talk, start talking politics at the bar. Like there are things that just don't fly. Like we are here for one reason and that reason is music. And if you start if you start letting that influence how you present yourself to a community and to a, an audience and to a business professional like myself, it's, it's not going to fly. And I'm going to mitigate that risk really quickly by just removing the issue. Sure. So I, I recommend if people are trying to, to figure out again, what not to do, it's just be professional. And I, I, I forget who told me ages ago. I'm just like, would your grandma be proud of what you just did? Yep. And that's, that's, I I am a grandma's boy quite a bit because I think about that. Would grandma Anna be happy that I did that or that I said that, or would, would she smirk and kind of look the other way? And I've said that to some of these, you know, country bros, the, the, you know, the type. And I'm just like, would your grandma be proud of what you just did? Right. And they're like, well, I'm like, yeah, maybe like. Turn down, turn it down a notch, okay? Right. And that's that's really it. It's just people get used to behaving a certain way because that's the way it's always been versus this is the way you should behave because of how we actually are. Right. Because the expectation was clear cut for you, but you chose to ignore it for some reason. Yes, absolutely. The expectation at some writers' rounds is you show up, you play, you leave, that's it. The expectation at Nashville Tour Stop is you show up early, you play, and you stay afterwards, and you integrate yourself into something that's bigger than you. Because as much as it kind of pains me to admit it now, Nashville Tour Stop is bigger than Aaron. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I if I removed myself, it, it could go on. Sure. People people would still apply to play. They would still want to be at the shows. The venues would still want it. And that's kind of what I wanted to do early on. Is I wanted to remove myself from the equation, which is. Really early on, it used to be called Aaron Shilb's Nashville Tour Stop, and I took my name off of it. I didn't care. It wasn't about my ego. It was about making sure the other people who were performing felt like they were valued. And as soon as you put your name before somebody else's, why should they care? Right. Put their name first. Every artist wants their name on, on the poster, and they want their picture on the marketing. I don't need that. Yeah. I don't need that. It's not, it's not about me. It's about everybody else. Right. It's about the community. Yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think that, you know, especially with those songwriters that have come in and, you know, tried to like essentially like bow out of a gig and fill somebody in. I mean, can can we just talk about professionalism for a second? 
because it's actually funny i've done a couple of episodes on our own podcast for nashville tour stop about gig readiness and gig preparedness mm-hmm. and the very first one we did i think it was in 20 2020 uh it was one of our first episodes but it was called gig etiquette and you'd be really surprised living in nashville how many people come to their shows unprepared yeah. and for the the most part, people coming to play Nashville Tour Stop have to play three songs. Three songs. For a total of maybe 11 minutes, they are actually performing, and the other 49 minutes, they're sitting quietly on the stage. I've been victim to it sometimes where you get a text message and you respond on stage or whatever. It's on the, the mic clip. You're not playing, but I, I won't ever say that I haven't done that, but I've seen people like taking selfies on stage during other people's songs. People show up without the batteries in their guitars. They show up with, oh, I forgot that I broke my A string last night. Can I use your guitar? No, I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Like, here, let me actually go into my show notes for the, the gig readiness here so I can actually give you some of the exact same advice I gave on my own podcast. I, oh, would, I would love to do that. That's awesome. Let, Thank you. Let me see here. I know I've got it. If you if you can edit this down. Oh yeah, for sure. It's not a problem. When tips uh, on gig preparedness yeah. here. So one of the things that I always first advise new songwriters specifically, people who are brand new to Nashville, is make sure that you've actually practiced your music. <laughs> I swear to God, the number of times. I have heard people start and stop mid-song because they forgot how their own song goes. Drives me up a wall. And it makes me look like a bad promoter because I booked someone who's not good. Sure. And it's it, this includes cover songs. If you're if you're playing a cover gig, like there's the three and four hour sets, practice the music that you know how to play or that you want to learn how to play. And if somebody asks you to play a song that you don't know how, Probably don't give it a go if you've never heard it. Uh, but uh, make sure you're practicing your originals uh, and then planning your set list uh, as, as much as you're able to do so because this will help you uh, be, one, just more prepared in general. But if you're on stage and if you know you need to play three songs but you have five prepared, what if the show runs fast and all of a sudden you need more music? Oh, snap. Okay, cool. I have more music prepared. Uh, the number of times, unfortunately, again, that I have booked people, they have the three songwriters round, and then there's another 25 minutes left because everyone played a two-minute song. And I've said, hey, we have more time. Let's keep playing. I've had people say, oh, I don't have any more music. Like, you're in Nashville. <laughs> you're here to be a professional musician, and you only have three songs Take it back to the drawing board. Maybe, maybe this was too soon for you. Like right. th- that. That's one of the biggest things is just general music preparedness. Make sure you know your songs and make sure you have enough. Uh, the third one is making sure that you actually have your equipment. I've had people forget their guitars, which is the biggest. How do you forget? How the the only reason you're playing is because you are a musician. How do you forget your guitar? Right. People are like, oh yeah, I just got distracted. I'm like, okay, well then you don't get to play. You're not borrowing someone's guitar because you forgot yours. They're prepared. 
Yeah. And they're probably going to get booked again because they were prepared. So it, uh, what I wrote specifically is I said, it sounds basic, but seriously, make sure that you have everything because depending on the kind of gig you're headed to, you may need different kinds of things. So my best advice is to have different lists of different like kinds of equipment. So if you're going to play a writer's round and you need to be so uh, self-sufficient that you have a checklist on your phone that each time you go to a gig, okay, I've got a spare cable, I've got a spare mic, I've got a spare microphone cable, I've got my guitar, cool, done, pocket, it's all here, into the car we go. Or if you're doing a cover gig where you have to bring your amps, you have to bring your PA, that way at the end of those gigs, you can also do the checklist back to make sure you still have all of your equipment. So those are some just general gig etiquette things for the musician before they get to the gig. After you get to the gig, there are just so many other things. Uh, checking in with whoever booked you is a huge one because I book hundreds of shows. I'm, I, I am the guy at Nashville Tour Stop, and I've had people that I've never met before. They show up to a venue, but they got a haircut. They dyed their hair. They're wearing a ball cap. I don't know what you look like right now. And then the three performers I do know are on stage and you're just waiting to be told, come find me, Right. come find the person. And if you don't know what, who I am, if you don't know what I look like, ask a member of the staff at the venue, Hey, do you know who's in charge of booking music? Do you know where the talent buyer is? Do you know where the sound person is? Because the sound person always knows me. I, they are the first person I check in with because if you don't check in, nobody's going to know that you're there. Right. So checking in at your gig is a huge step also. And it literally takes two seconds. Hey, I'm Aaron. I'm here. I'm ready to play at eight o'clock. Thank you for having me tonight. Period. Done. <laughs> there doesn't have to be anything else. But it's it seems so it seems rudimentary and elementary for some of these people that they don't even think I should tell someone I'm here. Right. It's it's unfortunate, but checking in with somebody uh who booked you and uh Again, depending on the time of or the type of gig you're playing, it might be a good idea to stay afterwards for actually, let's just say across the board, it's always a good idea to stay after your gigs because what I always tell people, oh, it's so annoying is when I tell people, if you don't stay after your gig, it looks like you didn't like it. Right. If you don't even want to be at your own gig. Why would an audience? Why would anybody else? Yeah. Why would anybody else? If you played with your band at a venue and as soon as you finish you load off you load the van and you leave they the the people in the audience i've seen it happen before i'm like did they did something go wrong right like did did they did they have something happen is is everyone okay like why didn't they stay it's also like what if i wanted to follow you on instagram i don't remember what your band is called right i need to go up to you and get it personally like it, you don't have to stay for five hours, but if you stay for 45 minutes or an hour, that'll let your blood pressure come down a little bit. You'll get down off of that show high, and then you can make fans. You can't make fans if you immediately get back into the bus and leave. Right, if you just cut and run. Yeah, if you cut and run, you're selling yourself short on ways that you could grow your own career. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just did a show not that long ago where the uh, the direct support that's exactly what happened. Like we were, we were kind of like secondary support, and we stayed and hung out like throughout the rest of the show. 
but direct support cut, ran, got back on the bus, and <laughs> they, they they didn't even have anybody stay behind to sell merch. There was nothing. Wow. There was nothing. And that's crazy. I know. I know. I, I just and I didn't understand it because they were they, they were playing here in Ohio, but they drove up from Nashville. Wow. And they just left. Just 86. They, they could have had somebody from the headlining band run their merch table for them because they all are going to converge back in Nashville mm -hmm. anyway. But right. there was nothing. They had no signage. Nothing. Yeah, if you if you look like you're unprepared, the audience is going to notice that. That's just one of those general humanity things. If you look uncomfortable, if you look like you're not enjoying it, the audience we we read that personality. We we feel that energy in the room that if if something's uncomfortable, we feel uncomfortable too. And if an audience gets awkward, they want to leave. They want to go home. Yep. Nobody wants to stand in the middle of an awkward, giant venue by themselves holding a PBR. Right. <laughs> we want to be in a fun environment surrounded by our friends. But if that environment's not created by the musicians on stage, or in my case, by me being the kind of host of the room, it's, it's just like it's letting a horse loose in a hospital. It's just like, let's see what happens. And you can't. Don't don't leave it up to chance. If you're in control of it, people will feel in, like something is taken care of. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why early on you asked this earlier, what did I kind of see missing from writer's rounds? One of the things that I saw missing was a host. It's like the, the Frank Ray, uh, the cabaret here in Nashville. That's that's always been a thing. It's like that old old school Johnny Carson, like talk show stuff. Sure, they're they're the big talk show. They're the host of the entire thing. I don't need to be the host of the entire thing on stage the entire time. But if there's somebody in charge in an administrative position who finds the musicians and says, Hi, I'm Aaron. I booked you to play tonight. You can put your guitar over in that corner. It'll be safe and out of the way from the walking of the, the bar. Uh, we're running about eight minutes behind right now, but don't worry. We're still going to give everybody their full uh, set time. Uh, you can go grab a drink from the bar right now. If you need one, grab some water, whatever you need. I will come find you when we're ready to start. Yeah. It takes all of the guesswork out. And then as a consequence of that, musicians perform better because yeah. they're not having to think about a thousand other things like, oh, shoot, are we running on time? Why Why are the lights off? Like, what's what the heck's going on? I, I am there to be in charge of everything and I make it look easy because at a certain point it's just it's just clockwork. Yeah. I'm in a hamster wheel sometimes, but it, it makes it easier and more relaxing for the just overall environment knowing that somebody is in control. Yeah. And not that I'm like controlling the room, so to speak, quote unquote, for the people who are just listening, but it's it's so much more relaxing knowing that if I have a question, there is a person to ask. Right. Yep, there's it's, a point. It's, ju it's just so important that to just have someone just be in charge. It is absolutely, and it's like you said, it takes the guesswork out of it. Everybody can relax, and you know, as a musician, when when there is a level of comfort at a venue, totally. you will perform better. Always. That's why when I was a younger musician, like all through college and my early years in Nashville, uh, my favorite thing to do is let my anxiety settle before I play. I, sh I would show up to a venue sometimes two hours early. I'd get there before the sound guy. I'd get there before the promoter. I would, I'm, I'm not getting there to make any special connection. It's literally just to let myself relax. 
get used to the stank of the bar. Like, let me let me get used to the fact that some bars put pickles into their beer. Ugh. It's gross. Like, I want to know the weird things about that because it, it takes the guesswork out of it again. I'm going to be better about just performing on stage because I'm comfortable in the room. And I, again, don't want people to have to show up two hours early for a writer's round. So that's why I can show up early for it and make sure that all of those things are mitigated ahead of time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's sage advice, especially like since we are talking about professionalism here, getting to a venue early is never a bad idea, right? Never, ever, ever. I will always be happy to see you early. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I was a, uh, a theater student when I was in high school and our director always said, there is no such thing as on time. You are either early or you are late. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've kept that with me my entire life. It served you well, hasn't it? <laughs> just be early it's easier Absolutely. to be early it is it is easier to be early and then that way there's no stress for you and there's definitely no stress for anybody else that's involved absolutely for sure well Aaron I don't want to take up all of your time today I really appreciate the conversation this has been chock full of awesome little nuggets of information and I'm just super super grateful to get the the opportunity to talk to you I'm happy to uh, offer some of my advice. I hope I didn't ramble too much. I have a tendency to do that sometimes. It was perfect. <laughs> it was absolutely perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, thank I'm you delighted so much. to be part of it. Thank you so much for, for everything that you do for musicians and songwriters in Nashville. And uh, here at Music on the Move, we're super excited to see what comes down the pike for NTS and you. So, again, thank you so much for everything you do. I'm happy to do it. There's a lot of stuff coming down the pipe that we haven't gotten to announce for Tour Stop yet, but we'll, uh, we'll be doing, doing a bunch of cool stuff here in the next six, eight months. Fantastic. All right, man. Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. That wraps today's episode. Aaron, thank you so very much for coming on the show and talking about some really amazing things for us. Those pitfalls are so important to pay attention to as you are navigating the world of music, especially in Nashville. So make sure that you check out the links in the show notes. Go catch a show at Nashville Tourist Stop. They are incredible. They have an amazing team of people to work with. Also, while you're at it, if you are in need of a creative agency, make sure that you check out Underground Music Collective. And as always, please, if you have learned something on this podcast or you are a regular listener, please do me the biggest favor. Share this podcast with your friends, your family, everybody that you think would enjoy a little bit of something here at Paradox Jukebox. We will see you next time. Da, da, da.